At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We eagerly wait with anticipation for the return of Jesus, when He will make everything wrong, right. In a way, He's always reigned over all things, but on the other hand, His saving grace has received pushback and rejection from the evil of this world. Join us in our new series, Thy Kingdom Come, His Reign in Our Lives where we'll learn what the reign of Jesus truly means for us believers and how we, as the body of Christ, can continue spreading his name until he returns. I do want to draw your attention to Mark chapter 5. And in Mark chapter 5, what's happening, of course, is Mark is continuing this narrative of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. As we've been going through this series, we've seen some very amazing things happening with Mark's gospel. One of the things that I like about Mark's gospel, of course, is that um, he, he's kind of like a, uh, a sports car, right? He doesn't want to be like the family sedan where you just kind of gradually work up to the main point. Mark is like that sports car that you just hit the gas and you go and you're telling the story about Jesus in this case. And so here is Mark. And even if you just begin to take your Bible and you just review a little bit of what was happening. Mark chapter 1. Hey, Jesus is born. He was baptized. And here's his ministry. Go. Right? And you begin to see just even some of the headlines. What does he do? He, in chapter 1, right off the bat, heals a man with an unclean spirit. He heals many as a summary. He cleans a leper from leprosy. Jesus then heals a man with a withered hand. He talks about the importance of following him. He gives the parable of the sower, encouraging his followers and us today to to go and to be active in sharing our faith and telling people about Jesus. And if that wasn't enough, he calmed the storm and he healed a man from demon possession. And oh, by the way, today we're just going to learn about Jesus healing a woman who was sick for 12 years and raising a dead girl back to life. Just a little bit is going on in Mark's gospel. Just a little bit. And that's just in the first five chapters, right? Well, what I would love to do to continue to set the stage is I would love for you to get out your electronic devices, grab the Bible in front of you if you want. We're on page 840 in the Bibles that are in the seats. And I want you to listen as I read today's passage. If you need to, close your eyes, follow along with your eyes in in the Bible. But listen and take the word of God into your heart as we're here in Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. The Bible says this, When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him, earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had been, who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians. 
And he had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said your daughter is dead why trouble the teacher any further but overhearing what they said Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue do not fear only believe and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John the brother of James and they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw commotion people weeping and wailing loudly And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. And he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in to where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. May God bless the reading of the word. Let's pray. Father, it is a joy to be in your house today and we do come praying. Whatever the situation is in each heart that is here, we pray that these same hearts will give you praise and honor. Father, we also pray concerning what situation each of these individuals is going through. Perhaps they're dealing with family loss or or sickness. Perhaps there's family turmoil. Father, perhaps there's things that are being impacted because of the strikes or different job situations that are occurring. Oh, Father, I pray that in your timing you will answer these prayers. But along the lines of today's passage, I also pray that our faith and our belief in you would be great. Father, thank you for this time. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in our time remaining, here's what we're going to look at. You can just look at your bulletin and on the back there are some places you can take some notes. And our key idea here today is that Jesus reigns over disease and death. But also what I want you to focus on, and we'll hit on this here in the time that we have, is the key to not only Jesus reigning, but also the important factor that belief and faith play in this. But even greater, what Mark, of course, is trying to do is not only highlight faith and belief in those who are seeking Jesus' help, but what is Mark trying to ultimately do? 
show us that Jesus, right? Jesus is the one in whom you should have faith and belief. And yes, the world will be amazed by our faith and our belief, but more importantly, we don't want them to be amazed by our faith and belief. We want them to be amazed at Jesus. And that's what we see here in this passage. We're going to look at this passage because it is interesting what Mark does here, right? He starts a story, and then it's like he turns the channel, right? And then he watches that show a little bit, and then he flips the channel back to see the end of the first show. And this is what's happening here, right? He starts with this leader of the, of the, of, uh, of the synagogue, right, Jairus, and then he switches the channel to talk about this woman, and then he switches it back to talk about raising the daughter back to life. But Mark does this, and there's a reason he does this, and we'll dig into that a little bit today. We understand that also as we look at the Bible, and we've seen this in Mark, we see the Bible continually highlight the reality of faith, right? I mean, you go to the book of Hebrews, and in Hebrews chapter 11, you see there's a whole list of people whose faith is recognized. And not highlighting the people, so to say, as being the most important thing, but highlighting the object of their faith, which is the one true living God, who is manifested in human form in the man Jesus. But as we do this, and we begin to examine the text a little bit more, we come to uh, the first story that we're going to look at. Now, we're going to come back to Jairus and, and his daughter, but first we want to look at the reality of this woman. And here we see the first point, that dignity is restored. Dignity is restored. Now, don't lose sight of what's going on in those first few verses that we covered with Jairus' daughter. Now, after all, right, here was a, a leader of the synagogue who had come to Jesus. And what does he want? He wants Jesus to come, and he wants Jesus to heal his daughter, who the text says is not dead yet, but is at the point of death. At the point of death. Right away, this man is demonstrating a faith, a belief in Jesus, knowing that he's at least heard of these things that Jesus has done. Has he heard of the fact that Jesus healed a leper? Probably. Has he heard of the fact that Jesus healed a man whose hand was withered? Probably. Had he heard of the story about Jesus calming the sea? There's a good chance of that, even though it happened recently. Is there a chance that he had heard about Jesus casting the demons out of the man? I think absolutely. And so now Jesus is in this situation where he's going through the crowds. The crowds have heard all that Jesus is doing. And here is a leader of the synagogue who comes and he seeks out Jesus in order to heal his daughter who is dying. Now what happens? He, Jesus says, I'll go. I'll go with you to do that. And in route, he runs into this horde of people, this massive crowd. And keep in mind, it's not just the woman who touched Jesus. But as the disciples give testimony, many people are bumping into Jesus. It's like a, it's like a Black Friday crowd at Walmart, right, is what it kind of seems like. And there's this horde of people who are waiting at the door, ready to go in. And Jesus is there, and Jesus is walking through the streets, trying to get to the man's house, and all these people are pushing against him. Now, it's also interesting to know, all these people are pushing against him, but yet there's only one person that Scripture records actually touched him 
and was healed. There's only one person that Scripture says touched the garment of Jesus' clothes, and hundreds had probably had done it by this point, and yet it's this one woman who Scripture says had been bleeding for 12 years who was healed. Why is that? We don't exactly know, but we look at the text and we see some things that are going on here. The crowd has gathered. Verse 27, she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. So she's fighting her way through the crowd to just touch the garment of Jesus. That is an amazing demonstration of her faith. Amazing demonstration. Now, this was small town world, right? I mean, yes, there's a lot of people in this town. Yes, there are many things happening. But more than likely, she was known. She was known as the woman who was sick and was impure because of her constant bleeding. She was one of the women, one of the women that would have been on the list of the synagogue rulers. Yes, hopefully for prayer, but also for the fact that she was ceremonially unclean. She had restrictions that were put on her by the law that was given to Moses about bleeding and about being impure. But what does she do? She hears that Jesus is here. She's heard the testimony about Jesus. She fights her way through the crowd. And what it says is in verse 29, and immediately the flow of blood dried up. All she had to do was touch the garments of Jesus. Now, as the narrative goes on, it's very interesting, right? Jesus recognizes that power had gone out from him. And immediately he turns about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garment? Now, I want to be very careful here because we have to maintain a high and proper biblical Christology here. This wasn't a moment of ignorance from Jesus. Hey, who touched me? Because what did the disciples say? The disciples are having one of this, well, isn't it obvious Jesus type of moments? All these people are touching you. But Jesus in his divinity and in his full humanity recognizes that power had gone out of him because of one woman who had touched his garment. Keep in mind, Jesus was in full control here. Jesus wasn't having a forgetful moment here. Jesus wasn't inquiring because he didn't know. Jesus was inquiring in order to draw out the demonstration of great faith that was being exhibited in this crowd. You know, in a negative way and kind of in a fun way, it's, it's kind of like confronting your kid when they have chocolate chip cookies covering their mouth and you say, hey, who ate the cookie? Only in this instance, Jesus says, who touched me? And he wants the crowd to see the faith of the woman. He wants the crowd to see that the woman was now healed. Now, this was a very private disease as well, but people knew her more than likely. And it's by the name and by the declaration of Jesus that now the crowd hears that she is healed. 
The disciples of verse 31 have this, like, look, everybody's pressing against you moment. Verse 32, he looked around to see who had done it. He's looking to identify her. Verse 33, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling. Now, that is an interesting statement, the way in which she came to Jesus. Notice the first time she comes in verse 27, having hearing reports, fights her way up, for she said in verse 28, if I touch his garments, I will be made well, and immediately the flow of blood dried up. Now she comes in fear and trembling. I don't know exactly what was going on with her. Was she coming out of fear of worshiping Jesus? Was she coming out of fear of shame because she knew she was unclean? And here she was working her way and touching Jesus' garment after touching all these other people and perhaps making them ceremonially unclean. But she's trembling, and she falls down before him and told him the whole truth. She goes on to tell Jesus what he already knew. Mark doesn't record that conversation with us, but what he does, and what is most important, is he records the conversation that Jesus had with her. Verse 34, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. The woman's life had just been changed. And keep in mind, it almost reads like this is, a, this is a private moment between Jesus and his disciples and this woman. But keep in mind, this is a very public moment. This is a very the crowd is still here type of moment. This is that everyone is continuing to push up against Jesus type of moment. This is the woman seems still ashamed that, that Jesus is now calling her out type of moment. And Jesus, in the midst of the crowd, sits there and tells her directly and calls her a beautiful name, which is daughter. One of the only places where this term is actually used in the New Testament, Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now this point is dignity is restored. And it begs the question, how is the dignity restored? The dignity is restored, and we have a few answers right off the bat. The dignity is restored because there's a woman who fought her way to touch the garment of Jesus. There's a woman who touched the garment of Jesus. There's a woman who came forward when Jesus said, who touched my garment? There's a woman who has a testimony, and she comes in fear and trembling, and that restored the dignity. There's a story that her faith, and this is what we need to gather, her faith is what made her well. But more importantly, her faith in Jesus. And dignity is restored not only because she is now healed, not only because she is now ceremonially clean, not only because she can now go worship God, sands the, the law that was prohibiting her from doing this before, not only is her dignity restored because the crowd has heard the testimony of Jesus saying, you are now clean, but her dignity is restored because she had faith that Jesus could heal her. That's what Jesus says healed her. That's how her dignity is restored, because she had faith, and that made her well. But more specifically, faith in Jesus. As we look at this, it's easy to read the story. 
It's easy to cheer the story. But I understand also it's hard when many of you, including myself, have stories where we just wish the ones we love would be healed. Would be healed. As we look at a passage like this, and it's going to continue, we have to come to this reality. I would not be surprised at all if there were many who had touched Jesus that day who were not healed. I mean, who knows what it was? Perhaps someone had a stub toe, you know, or something kind of silly like that. Perhaps someone had a broken arm. Perhaps there was another father or a mother in the crowd that wanted Jesus to come to their house, but instead they went to Jairus' house. Perhaps there was another blind man in the crowd. Perhaps some friends had brought someone to the crowd and tried to work their way to Jesus, but they couldn't get there. But for whatever reason, in his sovereignty and in his divine plan, Jesus shows us this woman, her persistence in the demonstration of her great faith, and Jesus heals her. And the temptation for us, and we see this with Jairus' daughter, is to say, well, why not me? That's the temptation. Instead of what the scriptures are calling us to, which is to have a greater faith, and not just a faith, but a greater faith in Jesus. And it's to celebrate the work that Jesus had done in her life and to use that as a catalyst, to use that as fuel for our own faith so that we can come to faith in Jesus or share the story with someone who needs Jesus. You see, a lot of times we feel ourselves ready to turn to the Lord when things are good. It's easy to praise Jesus, right? When you have the job, it's easy to praise Jesus. When, when the bank account has money, it's easy to, to praise Jesus. When you now begin that Christmas shopping, yes, I said it, and you find that perfect gift, it's easy to praise Jesus in the good times, right? But the challenge for us is how do we praise Jesus in the hard times? And we see that in this woman fighting her way to touch Jesus, coming forward when Jesus called her, coming to Jesus in fear and trembling, and then having Jesus call her that precious name, daughter. Your faith has healed you and made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. She had no dignity before she met Jesus, and after she met Jesus, she became a child of his. We look at this passage and it just challenges us so much. We want the cure. We want the job. We want the family peace. We want the marriage restored. We want all these things. As you celebrate recovery promotion, which we have at Troy, we want the hurts, habits, and hang-ups healed and here what we have is this beautiful demonstration of a personal encounter with Jesus in which the woman became a daughter of his. Keep in mind also, she didn't feel worthy of his affection. She comes to him in fear and trembling. There's also a lesson in there for us. 
Perhaps you came this morning not feeling worthy to come to church. Perhaps there's someone sitting beside you who doesn't feel worthy to even be called a Christian. And yet the text calls us to follow Jesus. This beautiful picture of dignity being restored by faith in Jesus. Well, now let's go back to the first channel just a moment. And let's look at Jairus. And let's look at this real-life history lesson about him and his family and his daughter. And let's look at the beautiful reality of life resurrected. As we go back to verse 21, we begin to see this, right? Jesus had just had an amazing encounter in which he healed a man who was demon-possessed. He crosses the sea, and the crowd has heard what's going on, that Jesus is coming, and here's this ruler of the synagogue. It's very interesting as well, of course, because of the debate that had been going on within the religious leaders of the time. Is Jesus the Messiah, or is he a lunatic who blasphemes all the time? It's kind of how the argument broke down when you play it to its logical conclusion. But yet here is a ruler of the synagogue. The name is given, Jairus, and seeing him, Jairus sees Jesus, falls at his feet and implored Jesus earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And Jesus went with him. That's where we begin to see the reality of Jairus following in that crowd. Did you keep in mind that? Jairus was there in the crowd. He was in the crowd, and perhaps he had first row seats to what had just happened when Jesus healed this woman. He had a first row seat to the fact that Jesus stopped. And you can imagine Jairus like, whoa, no, Jesus, like, don't worry about her. We got to go. I told you, my daughter is dying. We need to go. And yet Jairus is there when Jesus stops. Who touched me? She comes back in fear and trembling. And Jesus is looking at her like she's the only person in the world and says, your faith has healed you. Now, I'm not sure what was going on in Jairus' mind as he had this front row seat. And a couple things, right? One, it could have been, like I said earlier, Jesus, we need to go. Or was it, I came to the right person. He just declared this woman who was unclean, who Jairus probably would have known, as being unclean. He just declared her a daughter, which was significant, the familial language, but more importantly from Jesus. He would have realized that now she was ceremonially clean, and more importantly, would have heard the words where Jesus said, your faith has made you well. And so here's Jairus seeing this firsthand account of what's going on. Front row seat, right there Jesus stops, declares this woman a daughter healed and clean because of her faith in him. 
And I have to think Jairus is like, man, I came to the right guy. I came to the right guy. He's going to heal my daughter. But then Jairus has this moment of being super challenged in his faith like many of us have. And what happens when the crowd is still there and still gathered? We're told that in verse 34, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, the sentence hadn't finished coming out of Jesus' mouth. And what happens There were from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. The ambulance didn't make it in time. The doctor didn't arrive in time to save your loved one. Through all the medical advancements, they still couldn't bring your loved one back to death because of the heart attack or the stroke. Or the car crash. This was Jairus' life at the moment. I came to the right person. Your daughter has died. What was going on in his soul at that moment? Jesus intercepts the potential For failure and says in verse 36, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. Keep in mind, this is the next recorded words of Jesus after, Daughter, your faith has made you well. The crowd interrupts. Your daughter has died. Don't bother him anymore. Jesus probably continues right away. And be healed of your disease, and then do not fear, only believe. He knew Jairus' fear. My daughter will die. He knew those words were only doubling down on that belief. Now she has died. But Jesus intercepts and says, do not fear, only believe. Only believe. Well, Jesus finally arrives at Jairus' house. The daughter has died. There are people outside the home who are weeping and wailing, as would have been the custom. It says in verse 39, And when he entered, he said to them, Why are you making commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. That was the response of the crowd. They laughed at him. You don't know what you're talking about. We've checked the breathing. She's not breathing. The eyes aren't moving. We felt the heart. It's not beating. She is dead. What kind of teacher are you? Clearly, you don't know anything about medicine. What does Jesus do? I love this. He put them all outside. (laughs) Get out of here. He puts them all outside, and he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was, taking her by the hand. And he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. 
And immediately the girl got up and began walking. I love how Mark uses this word immediately. Notice back in verse 30, and Jesus perceived in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned to the crowd. And what had happened with the woman after she touched the garment, immediately the flow of blood dried up. And now as he reaches out and he speaks these words to this little girl, and immediately the girl got up and she walked. And then she did what every 12-year-old would do. She ate. What was going on in Jairus' mind right there? He'd gone on the roller coaster, perhaps, of emotions. Come heal my daughter. Jesus, come on, let's hurry up. Whoa, he just healed her? Now, oh my gosh, word has come, she actually died. Did he really have faith that he could bring her back to life? He had faith that he could heal her. But did he have faith that he could bring her back to life? We don't know, but what happens is that Jesus recognizes what is going on and he gives one of the greatest demonstrations of who he is in the life of this family. Notice what Jesus had said, don't fear, only believe. And Jesus uses this to affirm in whom they should believe. Dignity was restored, life was resurrected, and lastly, the world is amazed. In all of this, what's happening in verse 42, the Bible says they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Now, it's interesting. We, we scratch our heads sometimes at this, you know, Jesus tells them to tell no one, right? We call this the messianic mystery. Jesus fully knew the time and the place where he was and why he was there. But he also understood the nature of people. He'd already crossed over the sea and there was already a horde of people meeting him there. But he also understood that in God's perfect timing, his full identity and full purpose would be revealed. And so we call this the messianic mystery. Of course, Jesus knew, well, word's going to get out as it had. And Jesus also knew that was okay. But what happens here is the world continues to be amazed. As I said, if you just begin to peruse the passages in Mark that we've covered so far, yes, they were amazed when he cast out the demon. Yes, they were amazed when he healed a leper. Yes, they were amazed when he healed a withered man's hand. Yes, they were amazed. And you continue to go through the gospel of Mark and the other gospels, and the world is amazed at every single thing that he does, or they are enraged. They are amazed, or they are enraged. The enraged wanted to kill Jesus and ultimately had him hung on the cross, not necessarily knowing it was God's divine plan. The amazed have faith in Jesus. And they are the ones who, as we go back to chapter 4 and the parable of the sowers, the amazed are the ones who go and share their faith in Jesus. And the world becomes amazed at your faith, yes, but more importantly, at the object of your faith, who is Jesus. This is what was happening. As Mark was continuing to unfold his gospel, he wants the world to know that this Jesus is the only one who is worthy of being the object 
of your faith. He wants this world to know that if you are in the hospital and the loved one is not being healed, you believe Jesus can ultimately heal. The world is amazed at when your family is going through hard times and you actually share we're having difficulties. And they look at you and they say, why don't you get a divorce? And you say, because Jesus doesn't want us to. They're amazed at that. When you are sitting there, and, and as one of our mission teams tells the story of a, of a family in Ecuador who didn't have any food in their house, the father leads the family, set the table, pour the drinks, and they go down to a table, and they, they begin praying to God. No food on the table, and they're thankful. Dear God, thank you for what you have provided for us. And the father prays, thank you for this food. The skeptic would be peeking in and saying, you're crazy. There is no food. Is this the type of God you serve? You're thankful for the one who provides no food, and yet there you are giving thanks? And the father says, amen, and no less than a second later, the knock comes on the door. And it's a family from church saying, hey, we had some extras, and we just felt led to share them with you. The world sees that as a coincidence. The world looks at the woman who was healed and says, well, her body just took 12 years to heal. The world looks at the dead daughter and says, well, guess what? She's dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. But it is Jesus who heals. It is Jesus who provides. It is Jesus who brings the dead back to life. It is Jesus who resurrects your lost soul from the grips of hell and takes it to the doorway of heaven. That is the Jesus that we need to be telling people about. And if you are not a Christian here today, it is the Jesus that brought you here today on a beautiful sunny day instead of keeping you home. He wants you to believe in him. He wants you to have faith in him. And he wants you to follow him all of your days. Amen. And this is where we stand in the Gospel of Mark. Recognizing that it is only Jesus who can restore the dignity. The dignity. It is only Jesus who can bring the dead back to life. And it is only Jesus that can absolutely and eternally amaze the world. This is that Jesus. And he demands and he calls you to follow him. And the invitation is available there today. If you're a member of this church, you know that you should be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks. Meet someone you haven't seen today. Ask them. Are you a Christian? Don't just ask them, are you new here? Take that extra step and ask them that most significant question, are you a Christian? And be prepared for them to say no. But also, maybe you just want to come forward. I'd love to pray with you and help you in this and introduce you to the Jesus that we just talked about so that he can give you peace and he can give you life. Let's pray. Father, to you be the glory. We thank you so much for this, not only history lesson, but this faith lesson. We thank you that these demonstrations of faith are models for us. Models to encourage us. Models to spur us on towards greater faith. Examples to remind us that it is you alone who can restore dignity, who can restore life and can amaze the world. So, Father, we rejoice in these truths. May it all be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.